friends, Emily here, your host of The Missing Piece. Each week we discuss a new topic in fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and just overall healthy living in the hopes that you'll find the missing piece to your lifestyle. If it's your first episode, welcome to the podcast, and if you're a long-time listener, welcome back. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back for another episode of The Missing Piece. This week we are talking about getting back to the basics of exercise. So really getting into those fundamentals and how we can use them in everyday workouts. So in today's day and age of social media especially, there's a lot of people doing things to stand out. They found the best exercise for X, Y, or Z results. They've revolutionized concepts that have been around, tried, and tested for years. But sometimes we get too far away from the basics. The new things don't always work. Those tried and true fundamental concepts are the keys to fat loss, muscle gain, and a lot of things in between. Movement, in particular, is one of these basics. This is one lesson I've learned over the past year or so, that we need to perfect movement patterns before we add the weight. So oftentimes we focused on the hardest workout possible and that getting that immediate payoff from a workout by adding more weight, doing more repetitions, pushing ourselves past the point of fatigue and even breaking down form. But that's not what's important. We need to focus on longevity in life and in the sport or just the practice of lifting weights in particular. No one wants to just work out for this one year. No one wants to just work out for the next decade. We want to work out for decades to come. Me, being 24, I would love to say I have years and years of workouts ahead of me. And when you think about it in these terms, it's easy to make the decision that's going to be better for you in the long run. Well, the decision itself isn't that easy because, of course, maybe I want to deadlift 300 pounds, but instead of doing it tomorrow, I might be able to work towards it in a way that I won't hurt myself, I won't push it too fast too soon. I know this isn't easy because I've done it. I've hurt myself adding too much weight too quickly and without nailing proper form for different exercises. People and friends in the field that I trust told me to slow it down, told me to take it easy, nail the form first, don't get caught up in progressing the weights. But sometimes I'm much better at giving advice than taking it. I have to experience things for them to actually make sense. Rewind to the spring of last year, I was out of strength training for a while. Increasing weight too quickly without nailing proper form, in addition to some muscle imbalances that I had, led to a pain in the front of my hip so severe I failed a couple of squats at weights I thought I could easily move. Even just body weight hurt. Eventually, I moved away from doing a lot of strength training for two months to really focus on that form and nailing those exercises that are going to help me correct different imbalances and things like that. Even though I still haven't gotten back to the weight I was lifting before, I know my form is better. And the focus on the little things is for the best, especially when we look at longevity in training. Regardless of your experience or what goals you're working towards, Getting back to the basics and those fundamentals is a fairly simple process. So let's get into five ways that you can get back to the basics in your workouts. Group workouts are popular. 
especially in group exercise, there's CrossFit, there's boot camp gyms, there's all the specialty boutiques. I get it. I'm a group instructor myself. But with any good instructor, they should offer modifications and progressions for each exercise. There should be variations offered throughout the class for every single exercise. This leads me to my first point. Find your own form for the exercise. Not every variation is best for you. In school, a professor once said that everyone should work to squat with a barbell. And I really took that to heart. He was someone I trusted in the field. For a long time, I thought that everyone should work to squat and deadlift with a barbell through almost a full range of motion. In the past year, after experiencing more and working with a wide variety of clients, this thinking has definitely changed. While I agree that the movement pattern itself of a squat or a deadlift is important to almost every single person, the same variation will not work for every person's body. We all move individually and with respect to our own limitations, prior experience, confidence, injuries, etc. There are countless variables to take into consideration. However, when we take the time to work through and find the variation that's right for us, when we work through the options and find a variation that's right for us, we're able to get the most benefit from the exercise while minimizing risks and while not stepping too far ahead of our current ability level. Let's take a look at the squat, for example. Some different progressions or modifications might be a bodyweight box squat, a TRX-supported squat, a simple bodyweight squat, a goblet squat, and then maybe moving to a barbell back squat. Over all of these movements, many of the cues would stay the same. Squeeze the glutes, brace the core, keep an upright upper body, but they're not the same movement. As coaches, we prescribe the one that's best for our clients based on their prior experience, their injuries, their health history, and their preference. Not our preference and not what we think is best for us. Especially preference. This is a big one. A lot of people don't have the confidence to load up the weight with a bar on their back initially. Especially if we're just getting into exercise. We're just building that habit. Recognizing that it's the movement pattern, not the specific exercise, makes this possible. As exercisers, we should strive to choose exercises that are best for us. So if you don't have a coach, you should look at the variations. Don't fall victim to the trends and fads of exercise. You don't have to do jumping squats if they hurt your knees. Simply do a bodyweight squat. Start there, then progress up. Bringing it back around to our group workouts, not everyone can do the most difficult variation on the first day. Take it at your own pace and don't feel like you're cheating yourself if you have to take the instructor up on one of the variations they offer for the exercise. Tip number two is to incorporate the little things. I talked about the little things just briefly in a post a couple weeks ago, and we can't neglect them. We have to focus, like I said, on that longevity. Some of these little things are those that we neglect on a daily basis. They might be exercises that are boring or don't feel like a quote-unquote good workout. These also are small things that don't look or sound cool. It's kind of like when we think about eating healthier. It sounds more intense or hardcore to say I follow XYZ diet or I don't eat any sugar at all. Well, yeah, these work, 
but you can also eat in moderation and it will work just the same for some people. But this moderation, like these little exercises we may be neglecting, doesn't sound fun or hardcore or exciting, but it works. Foam rolling is one of these little things. Although much of the concrete research is anecdotal, foam rolling is a form of self-myofascial release. In other words, it's a massage. You're essentially using the foam roller in a way to mimic what a massage therapist would do to your muscles. While the benefits of a massage are numerous and shown through research everywhere, and even though they can't be directly extrapolated to foam rolling, some of the same benefits such as aiding in recovery, increased flexibility of the tissue, and overall health of the fascia or connective tissue within the muscles can be seen in the anecdotal accounts of foam rolling. So how do we incorporate this? Again, there's not much research. There's not a cut and clear recommendation. Perhaps you might incorporate it before training. Sometimes I see people come to the gym and the first thing they do is hop on the foam roller and roll every muscle in their body. Although the research is mixed, in my opinion and experience, I think spending too much time on the foam roller right before training is probably redundant and unnecessary. We loosen our muscles, but we loosen them just in time to need to recruit them and lift loads above and beyond our regular daily living capacity. In my experience, I found I don't like being super loose before I lift. Mobile, yes but I think foam rolling my whole body is a little too much. I just don't feel like I have as much control. But again, this isn't scientifically based. There's growing research in different forms of self-myofascial release, but many of them are focused on the post-exercise realm and the use of foam rolling as a recovery aid after we've completed our workouts. That being said, one area in which I do use it before training is if you have muscles that are habitually tight and do need a little bit extra attention. These may be spots that aren't able to be loosened with other mobility and activation drills throughout a warm-up. For me, this is my lats. My upper back being tight was causing that pain in my hip that I referred to before, and since my lats are habitually tight and I just can't seem to keep them loose, I always take a few minutes to just make sure they're feeling a little looser by rolling on that foam roller a little bit before I hop into my workout. Another way you can incorporate foam rolling is in a separate session. Take 10 to 15 minutes out of your day in a separate session away from your workout to go through a full body foam rolling routine. This usually focuses on those muscles that are most sore from our training session or just in general. This far and away is my preferred method of foam rolling. Now, I do have an advantage because I work in a gym setting. When I need to get up from the computer for a while, I can easily grab a foam roller and roll out some of the tight or sore muscles. Now, I realize not everyone has this advantage. Many people work at desk jobs or, at the very least, don't work in a fitness center or have access to foam rollers throughout their workday. If you're one of those people, here's a little tip for you. Someone once told me you should never go about your day tight, and you should never go to bed tight. I also try and abide by this. It's sometimes easier to get that foam rolling session in either right when I wake up in the morning or right before I go to bed, and sometimes both. I'll take just 5-10 to minutes and roll out only those muscles that are tight or sore, not necessarily focusing on the whole body. I just kind of do what feels good at the time. There's no set routine that I do for these shorter sessions. 
Another one of these little things is mobility. Oftentimes, we're limited in what movements we're able to do in the gym for exercises because of a lack of mobility. Mobility is defined as the degree to which a joint is able to move before being restricted by surrounding tissues, ligaments, muscles, etc. There's a certain degree of mobility that we each possess. This is often dictated by our lifestyle choices. Someone who works through their entire range of motion in a joint, such as a dancer or gymnast, will often present a greater degree of mobility in certain joints as compared to someone who doesn't. However, we are able to increase our mobility. It may take months or years, but with consistent practice through drills, we're able to increase mobility where we need it. Our tissues are adaptable to the stress they're placed under. And if we're consistent with these exercises, it's possible to see incredible progress in our mobility Now, although some joints need to be mobile, others need to be stable, and at the same time, we need to properly activate those muscles to perform the actions they're tasked with. This is the goal of our warm-up, and one of our next basics that we shouldn't skip. Let's talk about warming up. Everyone wants to go into the gym and immediately get into their workout. Some of this is a time constraint, and I know we all have busy lives. I do too but we can't make it common practice to hop right into a strength training session without properly warming up. This isn't something you'll see as a revolutionary thing, again, because it doesn't sound cool. But like I said before, you know what's cool? Being able to move pain-free through a range of motion that's appropriate for you in a certain exercise. So let's talk about the goal of the warm-up a little bit. Our goal is threefold. We want to activate our muscles so they're able to perform to their highest potential. And we want to mobilize some joints while at the same time stabilizing other joints. So let's talk about these three goals. First and foremost, activation. Activating a muscle involves moving through an exercise, often isolating a single muscle with the goal of eliciting a response. These exercises tend to, for lack of a better word, isolate a specific muscle or joint so others don't have to compensate for it. For example, if I were to have squats programmed during my workout, my warm-up probably will include glute bridges to activate my glutes. If I were to use bodyweight squats as a warm-up exercise instead of a glute bridge, it's likely that, at least for me personally, I would have my quads helping out instead of my glutes, so my quads would be active and ready to go while my glutes sat just dormant. Every individual is going to have different muscle or group of muscles they need to focus on and activate a little bit extra during their warm-up. This is specific to each person as well as the different exercises used during the training sessions. Of course, there are some generalizations and broad recommendations. Across the board, I always have clients perform bracing drills. Activating and practicing bracing the core in isolated positions before asking them to do the same through dynamic movements, such as a squat. I found that many people don't activate or use their glutes through lower body movements, so if I know we're going to be doing a lot of lower body focused work, I'll almost always throw in some hip bridges to the warm-ups. So let's get into mobilization and stabilization, our next two goals of our warm-up. Mobilization is the process of moving our joints to attain some degree of mobility. We already touched on the mobility aspect just before this, and the warm-up is a great place to incorporate some of these drills. 
Over time, you'll be able to move more freely through ranges of motion required for certain exercises. These mobility drills can also loosen us up from a night of sleep if we train in the morning or from sitting at a desk all day if we train in the evening. By allowing our body to move through complete ranges of motion just prior to working out, we set ourselves up for the best chance of success to move through the correct movement patterns during our training session. Again, many of these exercises are dependent on the person. Mobilization is important, but we don't want all of our joints to be mobile. Some have to be stable in order to protect and avoid injury during a movement. According to ACE, or the American Council of Exercise, stabilization is the ability to maintain control of the joint movement or position by coordinating actions of surrounding tissues and the neuromuscular system. Simply put, it means we're able to control a joint in an unmoving or isometric way, even in response to outside forces. One of the universal areas in which I see clients can improve their stabilization is our core. Our core is meant to resist movement from outside sources when active. It provides protection to our spine and other internal organs. So when I talk to clients about training their core, I usually recommend anti-flexion exercises instead of the typical flexion-based ones, such as crunches or sit-ups, especially if we're just starting out. Some of these exercises can include plank variations, pal-off presses, or weighted carries. Some of these exercises I do incorporate in the warm-up through some lower intensity options, such as bird dogs, dead bugs, etc. They're great for core control and practicing breathing and bracing while limiting the movement compared to an exercise such as the squat. So let's recap. First, we want to find our form or variation of an exercise that's right for us. Second, we want to incorporate the little things like foam rolling and mobility drills. Third, don't skip your warm-up. So moving on to number four, mix it up, but do it with thought behind it. In today's day and age, everyone's looking for new exercises and ways to mix it up and not be boring in the gym. No one likes getting stuck in a stagnant routine doing the same thing over and over, and at the end of the day, you might just not see progress. So we always want to mix it up, but we want to mix it up in a way that's thoughtful, with a little bit of thinking and planning behind how we mix it up. So one of these ways is to incorporate bodyweight exercises. These are a great way to get back to the basics and mix up your workout. It allows us to focus on form, and instead of adding weight, you're enforcing the correct movement patterns through that range of motion that's correct for you. Like we talked about before, not every variation of an exercise is appropriate for every single person. Sticking with the squat example, if a bodyweight squat is above your current fitness level, Maybe that's your goal to work towards and you start with a TRX squat or maybe a box squat. As we load movements, our form tends to break down. So enforcing the patterns on unloaded body weight movements allows us to maintain that form throughout even as we add the weight. Of course, you'll have to be accustomed to maintaining your position through these loaded ones as well, like a goblet squat, again sticking with our squat example. But the body weight basics are what's going to get you there. Another way is to mix up our type of workout entirely. And 
opt for a lower intensity. So we talked about that underrated and overlooked workout in our lower intensity options a couple weeks ago. And yoga is one of these options. It kind of gets us out of our routine a little bit, but it also enforces flexibility, which it aids in all areas of our other workouts, regardless of what they may be, running, lifting, biking, etc. Without resorting to trying exercises that won't give you the best bang for your buck, so to speak, you're able to try something new and mix it up by incorporating bodyweight exercises or yoga or different ways of changing up your workout while keeping that thought and planning behind it. My last tip is to lighten the loads. Again, we've kind of referred to this one throughout, but these days we see people all over loading up on the weight. Heavy weight is impressive, no doubt. But you know what else is? Being able to move correctly through the movements. Being able to perform movements for a long period of time. And sustain training without hurting ourselves. From our last point, to bring us back to the basics, we have to lighten the loads during training. It allows us to focus on form as well as muscle activation. Like I mentioned with bodyweight squats, with the lighter loads, we can really focus on that activation and slowing it down. Slowing it down is one too. With a lighter load, you may be able to incorporate different tempo movements. So instead of going down and up for a one count each way, maybe you take that down a little bit slower in your squat and then explode up, incorporating a little bit of variation that way. So you're still doing the same exercises, but it feels different. You're eliciting a different response from your body. Another way I use this with my clients is if they have a mental block of moving up in weight or between the five pound jumps on the dumbbells. I'll have them do a normal set and then add in a hold or I'll have them do 1.5 reps. So in both of these options, you'll you'll do one rep totally down and then up and then only come down halfway and then stand back up for our squats. So we have 1.5. Maybe I'll have them incorporate those pauses at the bottom of the squat to give them the confidence to push through that sticking point where they feel like they can't push anymore. Especially as the weights are getting heavier, but we're not quite there with the confidence yet. So that's all five ways we can get back to the basics of our workouts and feel like we're doing something different and not get caught in the shuffle of always wanting to mix up our program or try something new or come up with the next innovative and creative way to work out. So to recap, first, we want to find our form for exercises. Don't worry about what other people are doing in the gym. Find out what your squat looks like. Find out what deadlift variation is best for you. Number two, we want to incorporate the little things. Don't neglect the foam rolling and recovery. Don't neglect the mobility drills. Third, don't skip the warm-up. We want to prime our bodies for activity, activating those muscles, engaging our core, working to mobilize some joints while reinforcing the stability in others. Number four, like we talked about a few weeks ago, mix it up and don't forget about the lower intensity workout. Use those different workouts you add in. Add them with a purpose. Add them with the intention of progressing your overall goal forward not simply just so you're not bored. And finally, lighten the loads while you focus on form and muscle activation. Mix up your training with different tempos, going slower through movements, adding pauses, especially if you're not 100% confident in moving up in weight or the dumbbells only go up by fives. 
By getting back to the basics consistently, you'll see more progress over time than program hopping and always looking for something new and different. There's a reason you see some of the same exercises over and over. Simply put, they work. All right, so that's all I have for you guys this time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let me know. You can connect with me on Twitter at Emily underscore Meyer 13. You can leave a comment on an Instagram also at Emily underscore Meyer 13. Or you can leave a rating and review down below. Ratings and reviews help the podcast to grow, help more people find it and everything like that. So feel free, leave a comment below if you liked today or connect with me on any of my social medias. And I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.